Philippians this morning, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the word of God for the people of God. Several years ago, when one of my nieces was about to have her first child, she was contemplating her future. She sent me this email. It was a parent job description. She did not write it, but she had read it. It read like this. Long-term team players needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends, often frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sports tournaments, often in faraway cities. Travel expenses not reimbursed. Extensive courier duties also required. Then further under responsibilities, it said, the rest of your life. Must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until someone needs another $5. <laughs> must be willing to bite tongue repeatedly. Also must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from zero to 60 miles per hour in three seconds flat in case you're charged bolts for the street. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and a variety of mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute, yet an embarrassment the next. Must handle assembly and product safety testing of about a half a million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. Possibility for advancement and promotion? None. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience not required, unfortunately. On-the-job training is offered on a continually exhausting basis wages and comp compensation get this you pay them offering frequent raises and bonuses and allowances plus a balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will somehow make them financially independent plus when you die you give them all that's left the oddest thing about this 
reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could only do more. Benefits? Well, no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, no stock options are offered. This job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and free hugs and kisses for life if you play your cards right. It is a selfless job, this job of being a parent. To do it well, we must think first of others. And of course, parents do that all the time. They give of themselves, they sacrifice, they strive to support and encourage and surround their children with love and support. Paul says a similar things in terms of what our attitude should be as followers of Christ. Did you hear what he wrote there in verse 3 and 4? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Can you hear that call that Paul is putting before us to think about others first, to be willing to serve and maybe even sacrifice on behalf of someone else's good rather than thinking only of your own interest? Paul says that we've got to take that kind of attitude that we most often portray toward our biological family, and he says extend that to your family of faith. Do that to the others that are around you. But of course, Paul knows that we don't do this naturally, that most naturally we protect ourselves and serve ourselves and just those closest to us sometimes. So he gives us this passage this morning to help us know where to focus, how to focus our lives and our striving and our living. Listen to how he started the passage. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, and of course he's saying there is any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then those two verses about not being selfish but serving others and then in verse 5, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying if each of us focus on that and all of us focus on that, it changes the dynamic. It makes the body of Christ function most effectively. Then before he finishes the part we read, he quotes what we think is one of the earliest litanies that the church used about the person of Christ. He writes it in verse 6, 7, and 8. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not, re did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says, 
take that attitude. Set your mind on that. Be like Christ and be willing to serve others and humble yourself and be obedient to the call of God. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So even though it doesn't come naturally, Paul says we can do this. How do we think first of others? Paul gives us the answer. He says, be of the same mind as Christ. Focus on those same things. Offer yourself in the same way so that God might use you to serve others. Years ago, I learned that scientists have discovered that for each memory we have, it is stored on a specific neuron in our brain so that our memories are not randomly circulating. They are located physically in a certain part of the brain. So every time you remember something from your past, the same neuron lights up. Every time I think of my wife Mary on our wedding day in her wedding dress, the same neuron goes off. We actually have physical connections to memory in certain places within our brains. Further, the more we think of something or practice something, it creates physical connections in our brain. So we have some 28 billion neurons in our brain, scientists say. Hundreds of thousands of miles of nerve fibers connecting all of those processing in milliseconds billions of bits of information our minds can do amazing and staggering things they can process billions of bits of information in a millisecond faster than the snap of a finger or the blink of an eye even compared to our fastest computers our brains are so much faster But as amazing as that is, it's part of the problem when we try to begin to change a pattern or behavior or change our minds. Because we're fighting those physical connections and those patterns. And we're comfortable with those because we've done them over and over. So sometimes even though we want to change a behavior, doing it again is built in physically to your brain. And brings sometimes, oftentimes, a sense of comfort even though it's not what we wanted to do. It takes some focused attention to put ourselves consistently in the frame of mind so God's Spirit can reform us. But there's something powerful about a laser-like focus on really keying in and staying with a thought, an idea, or a practice. Jan Carlson reached the pinnacle of his career when he was named back in the early 80s CEO of Scandinavian Airlines. Great! Except for once he takes over, he realizes that they're in terrible shape. They're in last place for profits, for service, for dependability. He knows changes have to be made. He begins to study and count a variety of things. He says they had approximately 10 million customers every year and yet they're in last place they have some 20,000 employees he said as he calculated and studied all this he realized that an average customer who was flying would interact with five different Scandinavian airline employees each time they flew but he said that interaction usually only happened for about 15 seconds 
He told his employees after he looked at all this, those 15 seconds, that's the moment of truth. In that moment, you are Scandinavian Airlines. If you make the experience personable and pleasant and memorable, then that's what they think of the airlines. If you do not, they have a whole nother opinion. He began to ask them to focus on serving others, or in his case, serving the customer, to strive that every time they come to work, they're ready to interact, whether they're the captain or the baggage handler or the flight attendant or the desk agent, that whenever they are there, that they think of themselves as Scandinavian Airlines and they are ready to serve those who have purchased a ticket. If you want to get a glimpse of the power of that kind of focus that he asked them to all hone in on. One year later, they did a survey. Same survey he had looked at a year before where they were last. A year later, they were first in every category. Because he had challenged his people to focus on serving others. And they had all taken a step up and risen to the challenge and it made all the difference in the world to their airlines, but as you can imagine, also to their customers. I'm afraid that sometimes prophets drive us more than faith, and that we often live our Christian lives without that sense of urgency, without the sense of importance that we are part of the body of Christ. I think we often come at our faith with mixed emotions which dampens our effectiveness in developing this mind of Christ that Paul encourages us to focus on. Focus on the mind of Christ, he says. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Be of the mind of Christ, he says, to those early Christians in Philippi. They're striving to be disciples, to be believers, to be like Christ. And he says, focus on this mind of Christ. It will change your world. It will begin to put you in a place where God can transform you evermore into the image of Christ where you are able to serve and love and do good in the world. Paul says it is of the utmost importance. Focus on Christ like nothing else. It is cultivating the good life. This mind of Christ gives us an image of how we can think and focus and work and strive and live together in a way that changes us and changes the world. What if we each use this amazing gift of our minds that God has given us and focused like a laser on who Christ is and who Christ is calling us to be? What kind of difference would it make in your life and the life of those around you in the life of this congregation? in the life of this city, and maybe even in the world. God has given us this most amazing self with a brain 
that staggers what it can do. And many of us just don't use it to full effect. God has revealed to us in Christ, Paul says, the way to life and life abundant or the way to the good life, if you will. Cultivate it by focusing on Christ. So often we get distracted by other things and we lose our focus. One of the reasons we say we challenge each other in this congregation to think deeply and grow spiritually and love generously is we know we need the help of others. We need the challenge and the encouragement of one another. I know for myself, this has happened over and over in my Christian life. I set a goal or I make a commitment to a new spiritual practice. And then I find within days or sometimes weeks or months that I'm not doing it anymore. I've completely lost that focus. And when that happens, I know my witness and the vitality of my faith is watered down and my intentions have been compromised. And I have to recommit. I have to try again. And I know I live within God's grace and God is there. But it becomes clear to me that I need the encouragement of others. I need the prayers of others to be all that God wants me to be. If I'm going to stay focused on God's leading and my life in Christ, well, I need your encouragement. Maybe you can relate. We need one another. The body of Christ is to be that vehicle that makes Christ present in the world, but also to make God and Christ present within the congregation to one another. You see that emphasis that Paul's not just calling individuals in this passage to be of the mind of Christ, but he's calling all of us to be of the same mind to help one another move forward in faith together. Paul gives us this call to run our brains, to use this gift God has given us to focus like a laser on Jesus Christ. Immerse yourself in the life of Christ. And Paul says, you can do it because Christ has immersed himself in our lives. That he's emptied himself and come to the earth, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, Paul says. And then being found in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. If we might be so humble, so obedient, what might God do in and through us? May we focus on the mind of Christ. Amen.